Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. Here we go. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick is the click So I hope you watch your A-game Amen, no way From the track when we unite and spit This isn't A-game Better bring your A-game Competition starting to get thick is the click So I hope you watch your A-game Amen, no way From the track when we And now it's the Mike and JD show And I am your host, Mike Gilbert And I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva How you doing, JD? I'm good. I'm still not used to uh, a game leading us off. Yeah. Every time, last couple of times I heard like, "Oh yeah, that's this is us now." Weird, man. So. Man, this song gets my gets my heart pumping, man. I uh, think you got Illa and Revelation for a game. Um, man, we we got a lot to talk about this week, but I just wanted to tell a funny story. I, I think the world needs a funny story uh, yeah. this week. I yeah. Agree. So literally minutes before I hop in here, um, I'm outside and I'm walking my dog. My dog's a bit older. She's like 10, 11 years old. She's a, she's a pit bull. She's got skin cancer. She's got arthritis in her hip. And then like a couple weeks ago, me and her were playing and, um, she was chasing me up and down the stairs and she kind of tripped on one of the stairs and she kind of hurt her leg. And so she's got a little bit, a little bit of a, a limp now. And so, um, but she still thinks she's the toughest dog known to man. <laughs> so we go outside and she's going to use the bathroom and she's just sniffing around, sniffing around. And we're like, I'm like, Hey, come on. I have to get upstairs to go to the bathroom, dog. Come on, poop, poop. And I'm like telling her to poop. And, uh, all of a sudden a little boy, probably four or five years old walking a golden retriever goes by. So my dog starts yapping at that dog. And then his dog lunges toward me and my dog. And the little boy could not hold on to the leash anymore. And the dog just runs at or my dog. So I pull my dog back. Well, her legs are bad. So she just kind of, when you do that, she just lays down and like kicks her little legs, even though she used to be like the toughest dog in the world. She's like, now my poor baby, she's just like laying on the ground. And like the golden retriever came up and I kind of like pushed its face back. And like the kid's older brother ran over, grabbed the leash and pulled the dog back. And then like, I grabbed my dog and she's like 75 pounds and like a feat of human strength, I picked her up and put her inside the house. And then she got her legs back underneath her and she starts yapping at the other dog through the door. Um, and <laughs> in doing so, I pulled a muscle in my back. Because <laughs> as, as my doctor told me last week when I went in to go get my knee and my hip checked out, she says, uh, Sergeant Gilbert, you are 40. Uh, you've been diagnosed with being 40. And I think I, I felt that tonight, lifting my dog up, saving her from a, a, a sweet golden retriever from down the road. Yeah, it happened to me when I hit 40 with, uh, we were talking about weight training and stuff like that before the show and I had 405 and I was like repping 405 on the deadlift and it got a little tricky. You know, when it starts, when you start getting that fatigue and you start look just, you know, jerking a little bit more. Yeah, that was a mistake. I basically had to crawl out of the gym and my chiropractor <laughs> said, JD, you're 40 this year. What are yeah. you doing? Why are you, why are you deadlifting 400 pounds? You don't have to do that. And I'm like, dude, well, kind of, I think I, I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. So we, you know, we were talking about before we went on the air, 
lifting heavy when you're 40 is pretty stupid. And I recently, just within the last couple of years, I stopped going real heavy. I don't do anything over 225 anymore. And if I could stay even under that, I'm happy. I, I no longer feel the need to be the strongest guy in the room. I, uh, and I never really was, you know, I've had two major, I've had two shoulder surgeries, you know, I've had a neck surgery. So like lifting heavy is, um, probably I've never been like the strong, but I always tried. Right. I always tried to be stronger than I was before. But now I'm just like, if I can just get in some good reps and good form, I don't care what the weight is anymore. That's how you got to be when you get older. I'm a, I'm a kettlebell guy now. Right. Nice. Kettlebells. I got some bands. I got uh, some lightweight stuff that I'm trying to focus on now. Again, the age thing. But and I was I was a meathead, man. I was a division one athlete. I was the strongest kid on my team. Like I took pride in that. I had the squat record at Northern Illinois University for a little while. That guy is gone. Long, mm-hmm. long gone. So getting, you know, here's the thing too. Let's let's dovetail this. Getting old sucks, and part of the part yeah. of what sucks about getting old is seeing people that you grew up watching pass on, and then it's even scarier when guys younger than you fall away. And it's um, yeah. it's not the show I planned on doing tonight. I don't know about you, man. No, man. We had we had a um, and we're still gonna have a real fun show. We like to keep it lighthearted here, and we are gonna have a good time. Uh, we're going to make fun of AEW. We're going to make fun of WWE. We're going to tell some jokes. Um, but I feel like it's our responsibility to start off. And uh, we'll, we'll get to Terry Funk. We're going to go long on Terry Funk. But I really do want to start off um, paying tribute to Bray Wyatt, uh, uh, Wyndham Rotunda. Um, he passed away earlier today. Sean Ross Sapp um, reported that he had some complications from COVID and that uh, he had a heart issue that he was working through and he was hoping to return soon. And uh, today he had had a heart attack and uh, ultimately he passed away. Um, he's got, you know, he's got a few kids. He's got a wife. Um, you know, we're not talking about just a pro wrestler here that um, say, say what you want. You know, I, I really enjoyed a lot of what he did early on. I was, I was a big fan of his, his initial main roster run, but this guy is a husband. He's a father. He's, you know, he's a son. Um, and he's a brother, you know, his, his brother is, um, uh, Bo Rotunda. Um, and, um, you know, just, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to him, you know, his family, his kids, especially. And then of course his immediate family, you know, uh, Mike Rotunda, his dad, you know, legendary wrestler, Erwin R. Scheister. Um, just a, a big, big loss to the pro wrestling community. Man, he's only 36. And, 36. Yeah, that's four years younger than me. And so, you know, and I hate to make this about myself, and I'm trying not to do that. But I think it's only natural when you see a guy that young and you start thinking about your own mortality. You start, re- you know, it really makes you think of just how ridiculous a lot of the stuff that we're all arguing about really is. You know, and a lot of the stuff that we're talking about and like, like, oh, you would fantasy book that. Well, you're stupid. I would fantasy book it this way because I'm smart. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like, oh, Tony Khan didn't book this person on the card. He must be a bad person. You know, it's like it's all dumb relative, you know, to what life is really about. And uh, unfortunately, we saw a young man who was super, super creative, super passionate about pro wrestling. Um, had a huge fan base, had a huge impact on the on the world of pro wrestling, and uh, we lost him today, man, and it sucks. So, Bray Wyatt, interesting. Um, I remember I was working a job in Boston. This is January of 2014, and um, I had nothing to do, and I'm sitting in my hotel room, and I'm scrolling the TV, and I come past Monday Night Raw, and I haven't watched, I hadn't watched WWE in 10 years at that point. Like I had checked in and out. 
Um, I had checked more on in and out of impact than I had checked out of WWE, but um, and I watched and it got to the main event and it was Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. I recognized him from, you know, just paying attention a decade prior and Bray Wyatt and the, the cage. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was astonished at how just over Brian Danielson was at that time, like seeing the crowd do the yes thing. First time I had seen that and this Wyatt character intrigued me. And um, it kind of brought me back, right? That one trip, that one job in Boston. I don't, I don't know if I'm here if I do that job, if I don't take that job and just happen to watch Raw on that evening, right? It just there was something about what I saw that night that just made me interested again. Also coincided with the wife canceling cable and getting Roku full time, so I just started watching more wrestling and like, you know, I just um. I didn't love everything about Bray Wyatt, but you couldn't not respect his creativity and what he tried to do with professional wrestling. The original Bray Wyatt character, the you know the the cult leader, the 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 Whalen Mercy seen to its full mm-hmm. potential was was awesome. Eh, stuff that happened after that that that's up for debate, but um, man, that original Bray Wyatt was was definitely one of the more interesting characters that we've seen in the last. 20 years or so i'd say yeah it, you know he really was when he came out in like i think it's you know 2013 and someone in the chat could probably correct me but i think he came up to the main roster in about 2013 and i was just so intrigued like the guy just cut these great believable promos like the the difference between bray wyatt and a lot of pro wrestlers that are playing characters that we see on tv um it seemed like he meant everything that he said, no matter how outrageous or bizarre that it was like his delivery was just so great. He was such a natural. And I always felt like he could probably do movies. And and when he left WWE for a while, I think that's what he was going to go do. And he ended up going back. But I just like the guy was just super talented, especially with his promos and his delivery and everything that he did. Um, I, and he was just so creative. Um, the creativity just oozed from that guy and the early, early cult leader stuff, like the backwoods, like Louisiana, you know, with the, the fedora hat and like the kind of the Hawaiian shirt and the white pants and like Waylon Mercy. Yeah. He was obviously very much inspired by Waylon Mercy. And, uh, I, you know, I got a chance to listen to him on a podcast with a Steve Austin, where he talked about the origins of the character and how Waylon was a big, uh, um, a big influence on him and how like different people in his life helped influence character that character and the people that he came across and how the name uh, Bray came from a kid in school that had special needs um, that was named Bray. And he took that. And then, of course, Wyatt was from Wyatt Earp and all the different things and the intricacies that he put into the character and the fact that they just let him run with it which is amazing. And they didn't try to like overly script him. Like he had hands on with his character. I thought it was really cool. Like a, a unique thing. And I, I actually got to see Bray live. I was at WrestleMania in 2015 and he wrestled the undertaker Mm -hmm. and I'm still mad to this day that they had, they put them out there before it got dark (laughs) because I wanted to, I wanted to see the fireflies, man. And, and, you know, I texted you last night because I was trying to improve my lighting. I failed miserably guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to JD who is a video production teacher. He's trying to teach me how to improve my lighting, but I'll just show you guys this little gimmick I concocted. Uh, Where's it at? So I got a little lantern and I put some blue cellophane on it. 
and and I was like, oh, that that should really because JD's got like the blue lighting behind him, and I was getting a little jealous. So, so like I told Mike, just get a. I said like get a light and get some blue sun. <laughs> just use blue cellophane to create like a lighting effect on it. I did not. I meant like a powerful camera light, and he took me to being like a light light, like a, like a like a flashlight yeah. or a lantern. And yeah. I was just like, I'd have the heart to tell him, Mike, that's not gonna work. I was just and, like, and, yeah, go for it, bro. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and and it clearly did not work. It looks like it does every single week. So now I have a hundred feet of cellophane with nothing to do with it. I think I'll make some gift bags for my kid's birthday coming up. But uh, um, but well, yeah, so. That happens yeah. with lighting. I'm looking like I'm looking at this side of me right now. I'm like, oh, look at all those shadows. I got to go get another light. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing with lighting is, you know, it's it's like having a tattoo. Like you can't have one. You have to have nine. Like with lighting, I'm like, I just need more lights around here. It's not what I want yeah. it to be yet. So yeah, we're all <laughs> but, a work in yeah. progress. So I did get a chance to see him live at WrestleMania, and I was, you know, I I I dug the whole thing that he did. I dug the entrance and. You know, and I dug the match and everything, but I was just so disappointed that I didn't get to see the Fireflies live that night. That was, I ended up going to a Raw later, and I got to see the Fireflies. But the WrestleMania 15—that was when he had like the Scarecrows walking out with him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been cooler in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then of course he was wrestling Undertaker, and if you're gonna if you're gonna see the Undertaker live, like you need the lights to go out. <laughs> but you know, it was in California at like 6 p.m. And so naturally, it's not dark. So, you know, also would have been great on that WrestleMania Sting not losing to Triple H. I'm not gonna let that one go. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just, I mean, it's. What do you say to a guy who is only 36 years old? Like, what uh, do you say about that? Like, how, how can you reconcile that? Like, I'm having a hard time with it because I'm about six years older than Bray. And I'm like, then he was, yeah. and I'm then when the Rotunda was, and I'm like, well, why do I get more time? You know, it's like, why do I get more time? Like, what is, yeah, you know, my, or, I don't know, man. Yeah. Or, when, where, when my mom, my head goes, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm sorry, man. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm currently three years younger than my mom was when she passed. So the last like year has been really kind of weighing on me with this stuff. Like, yeah, my mom died of a freak thing. But it was just, it's still kind of like itching away at the back of my head all the time. And like, you know, these things, yeah, yeah I don't think, I, I think it's human nature to be a little selfish about them. How do you, because how else do you process death, but just wonder, well, when's it my turn? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we lost yeah. a viewer with that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No, I, dude, no, I, I, I totally get it, man. I think it's just natural, um, especially when, you know, we, I think we got to see Bray grow up. You know, and that's also a hard thing. Like, I know it's on TV and we didn't really know this person. Um, but, you know, we got to see him from his early days in NXT, you know, where he was Husky Harris. And then he goes to NXT and he creates his character and he's workshopping it. And then he comes up through the main roster and then he becomes one of the biggest stars in WWE, like the one of the biggest merch sellers. Like, uh, you know, people can say what they want about The Fiend and how it ended up being, but the lead up to The Fiend's debut and then some of the events afterwards, like he absolutely was a needle mover. And then when he left WWE and then he came back, um, he was, again, a big time needle mover to where they were um, promoting him all over every WWE show that they had. And they kept delaying and teasing his debut and stuff like that. 
Um, you know, it, you know, we've seen this guy, you know, grow up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a few years older than him, you know, but I've been seeing him on television for the last 10 years and, you know, from 26 to 36, that's pretty crazy. Right. Um, just to, to see a guy and like, that's, that's the prime of your life essentially. Mm -hmm. And now he's been taken away from us just way too soon. And, and you're right. You know, naturally, you know, we all have this instinct to make everything about ourselves. And that one of the first things I did was just kind of like, man, you know, I'm, I'm 40. Like I, I could be, I could be next, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, like legit. And so you, you got to think about those things. And it's like, you know, maybe that person that I wanted to talk to lately and I didn't pick up the phone and call, maybe I'll go ahead and do that, you know, or maybe that person that I need to make an amends with, you know, life's too short. Maybe you should go ahead and make that amends. Maybe the, whatever resentment I'm holding on to is no, no longer important. Um, you know, it makes you think about that stuff. No, for sure. It's why I can't be mad about my hobby. Like I see so many people just hate post about the, this thing they're supposed to love and do nothing but complain about it. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. Like, I don't, I don't have time to just be, a, to be just in the constant negative cycle of this is bad. This sucks. Everything sucks. I'm like, then yeah. why, just one of the smartest things I heard was when you don't like your hobby anymore, it's time for a new hobby. Mm hmm. You know, so I never want to, I never want to, cause that was there and it's not hatred that kills a hobby. It's apathy. It's when you stop yeah. caring altogether about it. That's when you mm -hmm. walk away. It's not, it's not getting mad about something. It's when you just go, whatever, Yeah. you know? So, but here we are. And it's funny cause I fully expected to talk about Terry Funk today. Yeah. Well, and we, we are going to talk about Terry Funk. Let's, let's go ahead and get into Terry, but just first, you know, Hey, Rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. Uh, let me get through some of the uh, the comments that people laid on us. Um, so uh, Joseph G, I think the G stands for Gilbert. I'm pretty sure this is my cousin. So Bray was a, such a special and unique character. The Wyatt's facing off with the shield for the first time. Um, oh, sorry, I was... Why it's facing off with the shield for the first time. Uh, was the first time I can remember. This is awesome chant before the match ever started. Yeah, that was, that was pretty unique, man. That was really cool. Um, I, I remember that moment very well. And then our, our buddy Josiah, the death of Bray Wyatt hit very hard. He was uh, so young. Um, King Sir Victor, rest in peace, Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. Um, and then we got Jonte Brown. Do you know who Jonte Brown is? It'll be Godilla. Godilla, A-game. He's bringing his A-game here to the night with us in the chat. He said, what a shame. So, yeah, man, uh, you know, rest in peace. Super, super sad. And then we have to go from one sad story to another really sad story this one hit me hard yesterday man and not i you know what not probably not as hard as the bray wyatt thing because like i like bray wyatt for because we're so close in age and it was so sudden and out of nowhere i didn't expect it you know that one had me feeling like a certain way but terry um when he died it, in a weird way like yeah it did hit me hard but then it gave me the opportunity it reminded me that i need to go back and enjoy one of the guys that grew up uh, loving um, and that I enjoyed so much for most of my life. Honestly, if you think like he, he wrestled for whatever 50 years, like I've been watching him since I was a little kid and I watched him wrestle from the late eighties, my, you know, from my era, whatever I watched him all the way up through like the 2010s, I got to see him wrestle in the 2010s. So, um, and Terry Funk just won an all-time legend. We got we we lost him. It, this one wasn't sudden and um, it wasn't totally unexpected. But yeah, he passed away yesterday at the age of seventy-nine, uh, almost eighty. Yeah, this one hit me harder than Bray Wyatt. Like Bray Wyatt hit me in that selfish spot where yeah. I'm like, could it be me? Bray, Terry Funk hit me in that spot where like you know it's been 
it's been too real lately with watching the guys that we saw as kids starting to die, which again, that just happens when you get older is the people that you admired and you watched as a kid, they get older too. And Terry Funk is one of my all time favorites. Like, yeah, I love Terry Funk. I wrote something for um, our Patreon about Terry Funk in 1989, which is like in my opinion, one of the best years of professional wrestling, just all around NWA in 89 is, is for me, like, my prime deal so i got to write a little mm-hmm. bit about that it's available for the patreon guys right now i'll probably open it up in the next day or so to everybody to take a look at but this um with terry funk it's one of those bray wyatt was sudden terry funk was a guy that everybody kind of like man i hope terry funk's okay you know we've been seeing that a lot online yeah. for the last couple of years man i hope terry mm-hmm. funk's okay because it was so giving right like terry funk is one of the in some like it's so funny because he would come in. He, I, I compared him in the article to like a cow. We'll talk about this in the overtime more, but I compared him to like a cowboy, you know, like a cowboy movie. You you ride into town, you fix the problem, you ride away, and that's yeah. just kind of what he did. And like the fact that I, I love that the last time that I remember seeing him on TV was with Moxley when he was still Dean Ambrose doing the uh that whole the, the aborted Brock Lesnar match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Where they had that yeah. kick in that one last fantastic Terry Punk Funk promo, and then they did nothing with it. But you know, I don't know. It's uh, that one hurt. That one hurt a lot. Yeah, yeah. And the man, so you know, Terry, he, he was around for over fifty years. Um, but I was like thinking about, you know, a couple years ago, X Pac had said something about him, and then I quote tweeted, "I was like, we need to have like a Ken Burns style." documentary about terry funk which is crazy because we were just talking about ken burns last week Mm -hmm. and because if you think about it you could do like one chapter devoted from his early life through playing college football to trying out for the nfl and not make it then becoming a pro wrestler and then then like making a name for himself touring around with his brother and being a big time main eventer while his brother was the champion you know going into all those territories to to take on the local the local baby face to get him ready for his brother uh, and then ultimately becoming NWA champion. Like that's a full career right there. That's like the first 10 years of his career. And then he gives up the title because his wife left him. And he said, I, you know what? I'm, I'm done with my wife left me. The schedule's too much. I'm going to give away the NWA title, the most important prize in all of pro wrestling, your biggest opportunity to make the most money in, in all of professional wrestling. He gave that up to get his wife back. Right. Like that, that's like, that's a full movie right there. But then when he gets his wife back, he then has this other career where he is, you know, a tag team with his brother. And then he becomes like this mega star in Japan. And and not a lot of American fans understand just how huge he was in Japan, him and his brother, like as both as singles and as a tag team. So he has this like incredible run in Japan. And then he retires for the first time. And then he goes to movies. He comes back and then has another good run with the rock and wrestling connection didn't last that long, but he actually has a run with Hogan where they're doing shows together. They did a, a big match on Saturday night's main event. So he does that for a little while and then he goes away again and then has the run of his life in WCW. And we're going to talk about that on overtime. Um, after this show is over, we're going to talk about that on our extra show. Um, so, and then he has a, an incredible run. And then I'm sure he retired, you know, 30 times or whatever. That's the big joke. So like that, that's like another movie. And then he has another run in Japan where he's doing death matches. And then he does the ECW run, which is where I um, know him best from. That's like, I knew about the, the flair stuff in 89 
and I watched some of that. Um, and the the Halloween Havoc '89 videotape I rented a lot, so Me I was too. pretty well versed because it had such a cool cover. So mm-hmm. we, we rented that one a lot. Um, but I, you know, at my peak wrestling fandom was, you know, when he was in ECW, and that's where I really got to know Terry Funk. And so, like, my most common knowledge of Terry Funk was as the legend Terry Funk, the hardcore legend, the crazy guy the 50-year-old, 55-year-old guy doing backflips off of ladders onto people, doing, you know, bar, um, uh, born to be wired with Sabu and the barbed wire match and all that stuff. So he has that whole career. And then he comes back to WWF as Chainsaw Charlie, which I think that's probably a chapter that everybody can forget. But I look back on that fondly because the only time I ever saw Terry Funk live was as Chainsaw Charlie, and he would go around the ring, and when the cameras weren't looking, he would take off the pantyhose from his head so everybody could see that, no, it's me, Terry Funk. He would take it off to the live crowd, and then as the camera zoomed back on him, he put it back down. That way he didn't get in trouble with the bosses. Um, so I, I I know that was like a ridiculous part of his career, but I just got to look fondly on, on some of the Chainsaw Charlie stuff. Um, and, and so... He has that awesome run in the Attitude Era with Mick Foley. They do the thing at WrestleMania 14. They win the tag team titles in the dumpster match, the only good dumpster match in the history of pro wrestling. Um, and then, like later that summer, he ended up flaming out. I think he he became a tag team with um, Two Cold Scorpio um, at one point. Um, and then he had this really really great rest, r- match on Monday Night Raw. I can't remember. I, Mick Foley had turned heel and he was trying to chase Austin, and um, Vince put him in a in a match yeah. against Terry Funk. And like, like they, they're fighting in the, I like beat the crap out of each other. They're fighting in the aisle. Funk does a moonsault off of like this balcony on top of them. And it was like, just randomly out of nowhere, it just had, you know, an insanely great hardcore match with Mick Foley and Terry Funk on a random episode of raw. I don't even know if it was live or taped, but, um, yeah, he, he had all the, he, he ended up doing some WCW stuff. Um, there was, I remember one match in WCW later, like after that, where he wrestled, uh, Dustin Rhodes inside of a bunkhouse and he got kicked by a horse. <laughs> you remember seeing that? Oh my god, you fucking horse. I'll kick <laughs> your ass. Yeah, I was in uh D- WCW, man. It was so so great. Um oh, you look jo- Josiah jumps in. He said uh yeah, Funk cut an all-time great promo on a horse in WCW yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, only, in the year 2000. Only Terry Funk could have cut a promo on a horse. I'm sure it's not the only promo Terry Funk ever cut on a horse, quite frankly. Just the only one that yeah. we saw on television. Um, there's that whole that funny story that um, he, when he was working for WWE in the 80s, he uh, he just quit randomly one day because he said his horse was sick and he had to go. <laughs> that's just terry funk man i mean that's that's what was cool about him is he would just come in do his thing for a little bit he could never stay in one place for very long right remember he popped in wcw again in 94 for a little bit he was part of uh, yeah. parker's crew and then he did, he did slamboree smoky mountain yeah slamboree time like yeah he just and he'd sip wcw 2000 he just showed up for a little bit in 2000 the worst era of wcw there was terry funk yeah you know it's just that's such a it's this is a shitty week to be a fan, man. Really? Yeah, yeah, it really is. But you know what? Like, it is, but I think this is also a good opportunity to go back and kind of uh, appreciate what a guy like Terry Funk did, right? And all the different incarnations of Terry Funk, because there's so many different versions. It's the same guy, but he had just so many different varying chapters of his career that you can kind of reach back to. Um, 
and young people can now go back onto YouTube and it's like, I want to see the Funk Brothers versus Stan Hansen and and whoever I think a ten or whoever Stan Hansen's tag partner was in the in the eighties. I want to see you know the Funk Brothers in all Japan in the eighties. You know what I mean? They can mm-hmm. go back and just see how heated those matches were. They can look back at his NWA stuff in the seventies, you know, and That's just a- really really learn about and enjoy the guy. He just had such an amazing run, right? Like and runs like nobody like, talk about like a guy like a Chris Jericho redefining himself and like that's the guy who like never had to change who he was, but who he was fit in no matter where they were. Yeah. Right? Like it's the same Terry Funk in ECW that there was in basically WWF in 86. Like it's the mm. same guy, but there's yeah. something about him in that era that makes the character completely different for some reason. And I can't think of many other guys that came through the business, didn't really change who they were both like in the ring and out of the ring, like just change the person that they were and become the heartbeat of the promotion so often, you know, without having to, to change themselves. It's just, it's, it's pretty fascinating actually. This is an amazing, amazing performer. Yeah. He never really like he, he did, he, he didn't exactly change himself, but he did like evolve with the times. And that was one of the things that he was able to do. Like he never really looked down on the younger generation. He tried to learn from the younger generation. Now he wasn't about to do a lot of the stuff that they did, but look, he wasn't doing moonsaults off of, off of ladders and, you know, in, you know, St. Louis in 1969. Right. Like, but in 1997, he's doing that in ECW, right. Or he's doing it in 1998 in WWF. Like he, he just kind of learned and he evolved and he listened and he, uh, he always did what he could to help out that next generation. And that's why he continued to be such a presence in pro wrestling because he was just so revered because he never really treated anybody with, you know, anything other than dignity and respect. That's why you're, you're not seeing anybody like, you know, sometimes somebody will die and then someone, you know, there, there's always gonna be like one asshole on social media, like trying to crap on them. Like you're not mm-hmm. getting that with with terry funk right no like you, you know because just he was just so great he was just one of the greatest that's ever done it. and i was just thinking i was like watching back some of his uh his 85 wwf run just l- like simple little things like hulk hogan w- would punch him and terry funk doesn't just get punched like his whole body gets punched right like you you barely touch terry funk and his whole body is a wiggling Right. He doesn't just like fall out of the ring. He has to do it in the most dramatic fashion possible. Slither slide off the rope, you know, bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. His feet gets caught on the ropes and then he just plops down on the ground. Like everything about him was just so above and beyond what every everybody else was doing. He like made it a show and he would do that same thing whether there was like 10 people in the arena for ECW or 20,000 in WWF, like he was just always giving it everything he had. And he was smart enough to know when it was time to give something a little bit on the funnier side and when it was time to be violent. Right. Like there was time, like, and he just, he could feel that better than anybody. And he was such an amazing promo, like, like a dusty Rhodes and the fact that like you felt real, right. Different style of promo, but like you believe Terry Funk. Like the middle aging crazy, the Jim Ross adage of him. I always felt that when he was on the microphone, right? He always came off to me like he was a little crazy because quite frankly, he yeah. was probably a little crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it was yeah. believable. But I mean, at some point he went from being this lunatic to being just, he was like your lovable lunatic uncle, 
you know yeah i just man the world's a worse place without terry funk yeah so outside of 1989 because we're gonna go into 1989 which is one of the great years in pro wrestling history um what what is one of your like go to Terry Funk matches outside of nineteen eighty nine? Man, eighty nine is my go to. Um, yeah, I do not have the ECW passion that most of okay. my generation have. I don't dislike it by any stretch of the imagination, but we didn't get it in Chicago until like probably deep into ninety eight. Is the first mm. time I remember seeing it. So for me, if I want to go back and and check out some Terry Funk stuff. I actually like the Lawlers. You'd be yes. one, you mm-hmm. know, that empty arena match, which is way better than it has any right to be. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, it's just two, two consummate professionals who could get, I hate to use the term blood from a stone, it's such a cliche, but I mean, like, I, I really love, like, Scott, our buddy Scotty e. Wrestling, right? Or the Joshi machine. Like, he's like, I want matches to look at. And part of me is like, yeah, you watch, I mean, New York knockout, flair and, and funk, that's, the match you know and then i recommended lawler and 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 him from 81 and then i thought like this with funk i think with a lot of guys from that era it's about more than just matches it's about Mm -hmm. the vibe of the person right because for so long wrestling on television wasn't about the match it was about the personality it was about getting you inspiring you to come see these people live and terry funk was the guys in the seventies, I think had this figured out better than anybody. Right. Cause they would just get on a microphone and they would just, you know, lure you in to come in. Like, you know, come watch me with these just fiery promos that, you know, I mean, there's just something about, I, I, I would rather watch Terry Funk promos. Right. Mm-hmm. I love watching him just be heartfelt, man. I don't, like I said, I don't love ECW, but beyond the mat is something I recommend anybody that wants to know anything about Terry Funk, because it's not a fantastic documentary, but the Terry Funk segments absolutely steal the show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause Mick Foley stuff feels kind of icky and exploitative. The Jake stuff feels gross, but the Terry Funk stuff is just, it's great. Like you just see mm-hmm. this old, this old gunslinger who just can't give it up and doesn't really want to give it up. You know, like he's come to terms with what he is. And he just loves doing it. And it's the whole thing working into his retirement match with Brett, which again, I think he was back <laughs> wrestling three months later. But I mean, yeah. like just, just getting that look into Terry and this family and his wife, his wife, Vicky, like you talked about that love story the two of them shared. Like, gosh, I think when Terry was old, Vicky had left him and he went after the guys she left him for. I think Terry mm-hmm. beat him up or something. And she was like, oh, and she went back <laughs> to Terry. Like, it's just. It's just great, crazy cowboy shit, man. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I, I adore Terry Funk so much just beyond, beyond what he could do in the ring. And that was, that was awesome, man. Like the, the King of the death match shit with him and Foley and it's just lunacy, man. Absolute, yeah, and, uh, absolute and, lunacy. And Onita. Yeah. Was like super, super crazy. Dude, I, I went down a championship wrestling from Florida rabbit hole. Ooh. And yeah, and like there was that pro that promo that he, I think it was Florida. Somebody might correct me on that, but I think it was Florida where he did the promo where he's in the shower and he's covering himself with motor oil and <laughs> just just going just going crazy, just screaming into the microphone. And yeah, you're right. Terry Funk was was about more than just the matches, and the matches were always fun to watch and were always good. But it was the promo and it was the entrance, right? Yeah. 
Like he was a psychopath the moment he came through the the entrance ramp. Like as like he would be going after the crowd. Um, one of my favorite videos ever is when he was in WWF in the eighties, and he had like he had the branding iron, the cowboy hat, and like the poncho. And like Mel Phillips takes the cowboy hat from him, like the 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 creepo guy that had mm -hmm. the foot fetish, um, takes the cowboy hat from him because he's like he collected like the ring jackets and stuff, and he put Terry's cowboy hat on, and Terry beat the shit out of him, <laughs> like like he he like just grabs him grabs him by his jacket, slings him into the ring, and just starts pounding the crap out of him. It looked like legit. It looked absolutely legit, but that was just like a layer of his character. Like he was just getting over. Um, well, and, and that's so, that stuff he picked up from from all Japan and like watching guys yeah. like Tiger, like uh, like like the Sheik, right? And mm -hmm. Abdullah Brody, like those guys would beat people up on the way. I said Tiger Jeet Singh because he would do that too, but he was an all Japan guy. But I mean, that was still a thing. Like the foreigners, the Gaijin guys would do that. Like you were dangerous, and that was part of the mm -hmm. the, the charm of of the crazy Gaijin over there. And Terry Funk adopted that and brought it here, and it was awesome. He was still doing that stuff in '89, like when he beats Flair up. And he's looking at the crowd like he goes after some dudes in the crowd that day. Like it's just, yeah, man, Terry Funk. Yeah, rest in peace, Terry Funk. Man, we lost, uh, we lost an all-time legend. Um, I, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Dave Meltzer will have a great bio. He already had partial, like an instant bio ready to go, but I think he'll have like a full-fledged one in the next couple of weeks that I'm just super looking forward to reading. You good? That's going to be the greatest issue of the observer ever when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. So, all right. Um, I, you know, it's, it's weird. It's weird that we have to, we have to move on from, uh, from something like that. Um, and talk about, you know, modern wrestling. <laughs> we have to kind of talk about nonsense going on in the world of wrestling. It's pretty crazy. Um, all the different things that are going on. Um, and we're going to do a full fledged all in preview here in a minute. But the first thing I want to get, get to outside of Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt is that edge. Um, we talked about him last week. There's been a little bit of an update. Um, Sorry. edge did an interview recently, um, talking about his contract status, his contract. He had wrestled the last match on his contract with Sheamus last Friday at SmackDown. Um, his contract expires at the end of September and he has a contract extension waiting in his email, but he took to uh, social media and he put a video out and said that he does not know if he's going to resign or not. He doesn't know what he's about to do. Um, if you guys remember correctly, the months leading up to his return where everybody had the story that he was returning, he took the social media to tell every single person that they were a liar for saying that. And then naturally he showed up at the Royal rumble. I, I think this guy's sticking with WWE. I think the deal's already done. I don't have any evidence to back this up. I could eat shit on this deal. Um, but I, I don't think this guy is going anywhere. I think he's sticking around WWE. I think he's going to AEW. Really? I'm just causing trouble. Um, okay, that's, I mean, I'm like saying. you read, I, like SAP and those guys said that there's belief in the company that he is going to WWE or to AEW from WWE. I don't yeah. think that they make a big deal out of that match. If he's going to resign. I don't, I mean, like why, why do all that? If he's going to be on the show again in a couple weeks or a couple months, even. Yeah. It's WWE and they'd probably just hold him off until rumble, you know? Yeah. But just, just to make everybody think that he wasn't coming back. I mean, they do stuff like that. 
they do i mean like vince would do something like that but i don't know man i felt to me like and i didn't watch the show but it sure feels like they acted like this was kind of it and right. i don't know why if it's not if it's not kind of it i don't know why you do that in a random smackdown as opposed to holding it off to a pay-per-view right where you can make money yeah. on it this felt to me like the contract is up and if he doesn't resign we've said goodbye and I know he says that the, the offer is there and he hasn't taken it or whatever, but uh, it sure feels like it. That's it. And I would not, because remember, it was Tony Khan talking to Adam Copeland that got him back into wanting to do this again. Yeah. Right. There was an offer there for me, Debbie. Tony Khan loves Edge. And uh, he, he, he went with Vince McMahon. And, you know, I don't think the run there has been great. I don't think that's a controversial statement to say that. But I think that if he went somewhere else, he could do something different. He's never gotten a chance mm. to do anything different. He's always been edge. And he couldn't do sit on your stool, 20-minute promos with a, a light overhead with the super, <laughs> you know, with the the, the super uh, hot top high key light. No, you can't do that in this company. It won't get over. What you can yeah. do is you can sit there and tell guys whose dad's dead that you're going to fuck their mom. You know, that seems to have, <laughs> that seems yeah. to have worked well for his best friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you know that there's like this uh, weird hipster community out there that doesn't think Edge is good? Like, it's, I see a lot of it lately. I mean, like, yeah. I've always thought that Christian was the better worker of the two. I don't think that's a controversial statement at all. No. But um, I've always found Edge to be entertaining. Do I love this run yeah. that he's doing now? No, not really. But I mean, like, I think he's also in WWE. I think if you put that guy somewhere else and challenge him a little bit to get out of his comfort zone, I think he can do all right. You know, yeah, I would, I, I would watch him. Yeah, I would watch him. I, I would be curious to see what he would do outside that WWE stuff. Cause what he does in WWE is what they like. Yeah. Right. Like he, and he's still over. He's the guy's incredibly over. I saw him at WrestleMania this year and he got, you know, one of the biggest pops of the entire night. Believe it or not, it was like him. It was like him and Shane McMahon, like, and, and Roman Reigns, of course. So, that's Shane McMahon part um, is disturbing, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't yeah, tell I, me, I know it's not, I know it's not going to happen. I know this isn't going to happen. So I'm not putting this out. I'm not trying to manifest this, but if that dude were to show up at Wembley this weekend, 80,000 people would go absolutely crazy. Yeah. And a lot of people, the weird hipster community that thinks edge is not good. A lot of them would change their mind all of a sudden be like, Oh yeah, no, I've always liked him. Right. I, I think it's more, like because he kind of represents that WWE style yeah. that's super plotting and boring, um, and I I think that if he got out of that and came to AEW and did some different stuff, like I would I would be into it, man. I would like to see what Edge versus Kenny Omega looks like. Like me I too. that that just something like that like intrigues me. I and and it might suck, maybe, but Good. you know what? It's different. Uh, but I'm interested in it. I'd like to see what it looks like because I just don't know. I've never seen it. Well, look what happened with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho left WWE in, was at 18? Yeah. And completely revitalized himself. And he was in his late 40s at the time, right? A little older mm -hmm. or a little younger than Edge is now. But I mean, it gave the guy a new lease on life and he had another chapter of his career as a completely different character than, than the Y2J guy. I would love to see what Adam Copeland can be in AEW. Yeah. I mean, like, do I think it's going to happen for sure? I'm not a betting man. I wouldn't put money on it. But it sure feels like something could happen. And by the way, don't listen. Well, they say this on social media. They lie. Professional wrestlers are professional liars. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> yeah. They're not your yeah. friends. They're not to be trusted ever. 
they're they just they just want your money guys and edge mm-hmm. is a uh, king of that he he is one of the lyingest wrestlers that there's ever been uh one ask, time ask three of his wives sorry go ahead fair <laughs> fair um it's a good point no, Mike, it's wrestlers lie. We sat there with Moose after he re-signed a contract. We said, hey, talk about your re-signed contract. He goes, I didn't re-sign no contract. And we're to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then he went another pocket and said, yeah, I just re-signed my contract. These guys <laughs> lie just to lie. So And you can yeah. you can see Moose lie to us in real time. Because uh, I I uh, I was digging through our archives and I'm starting to upload like old stuff from our old Brace for Impact show to our YouTube channel. So if you go to at the Mike and JD show on YouTube, I just uploaded that Moose interview where he lied straight to our faces about signing a new contract with Impact back in 2021. Uh, I immediately, as soon as the interview was over, I I messaged uh, I messaged Sap and was like, "Yo, the story he's denying this whole story you guys put out," and he's like, "Dude." He said it on a podcast and he gave me the link to the podcast. I was like, oh, he was like, we didn't write the story. We just, it was like a podcast interview that he did. So literally he goes from one podcast where he admits to having, you know, the signed contract to us saying, oh, I haven't signed anything. I'm just like, what the hell, hell, Moose? So yeah, they're, they're all, they're all workers, man. They're all carnies. Can't be Mm -hmm. trusted. No, I can't trust any of them. They're not your friends. They're all scorpions. Yeah, Yeah. But I mean like, but I would like to see it because I'm a fan of like, things happening right i'm a fan of how does how what can we do interesting right and i think that sometimes you know trading talents can be a good thing yeah right i want to i'd like to see edge in aew i think that would be interesting yeah me too um all right guys before we get to our all in preview i want you guys to uh check us out on patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show. We've been cranking out a ton of content. JD just, uh, you just wrote an article today about Terry Funk's uh, run in 1989. Um, he has another article waiting in the wings already, already written, and it's going to be coming out this weekend. So stay tuned for that. I also released two brace for impacts over the weekend. Plus our, uh, our Patreon exclusive show uh, overtime with Mike and JD was on there. Um, we, we currently, we already blew past our first goal, so uh, we're we're 19 subs right now. Help us get to 25 subs. Tell your friends. Head to patreon.com slash Mike and JD show. Um, help us pay for this podcast. Help us stay in business and help convince our wives that this is okay for us to do to neglect them every Thursday night. Um, I would really appreciate that. Money money helps that. Money helps that cause. So my wife's, um, in, my wife's in bed asleep right now, but justify me not being able to sleep before a Friday at work. So that's what I would appreciate. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, before we get into, uh, you know, we'll just get into all in preview because there's once there's stories tied to all in that have been surrounding all in. So as we get to those matches, we'll talk about the stories surrounding them, if that makes sense. So um, all in coming up this Sunday, it's at Wembley Stadium. Uh, the biggest event in the history of pro wrestling outside of WWE. I don't think that's even a controversial statement. Um AEW Zero Hour starts off uh, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. MJF and Adam Cole versus Aussie Open for the titles. Who you got? I'm going to take MJF and Adam Cole. I think there's more stuff to be done. Even if there's a title change, I think the idea of the two of them being Cole holders of tag titles while feuding, I think there could be something there. And I think there's more. I think there's more there because Aussie Open hasn't been built yet here. Yeah, I think they're. I think that they're flexible enough to lose early, and I think there's more storyline potential with those two holding that particular set of belts. 
Thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I no, I I I I think you're right. Um, I I like them as the ROH tag team champions. Um, and I think it adds another layer to the story. And it you know, um, and it gets Aussie open in front of eighty thousand people, which is cool with me. Although dipshit McGee, what's his dickhead's name? Um, Raj which, Geary. Which dickhead yeah. are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Raj. Lord. Yeah. So I think starting next week, we're going to, you know, we had, we had to pivot this week, but I had like a whole segment planned about dumb tweets of the week or shithead <laughs> tweets. Uh, I don't know what the segment's going to be. It's probably going to be the Raj Geary moment of the week, but this guy, like, uh, like somebody said, Oh yeah, but they have Aussie open on uh, at Wembley stadium. So that's cool. And he could be like, yeah, Aussie opens great. He could have just said that instead. He's like, who the fuck is Aussie open? Nobody knows who they are or something like that. I can't remember what the exact tweet said. Paraphrasing. But basically questioned, like, who cares about Ozzy Open, essentially, because they're not famous yet. Would he say the same thing if they put the War Raiders on? Oh, if WWE was doing a show in Wembley and the War Raiders were on a pre-show, would his dumbass say anything to that effect? No, no. No, of course not. he's got an agenda here. Yeah. Of course he's not. Because dickhead. he is a dickhead who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. But he's a millionaire who gets to, who sold a website that used to have some credibility at some point. So fuck that guy. It's going to yeah. be a good match. Uh, and now the open will be something in this country within the next year. So yes, yes. It's like, just because somebody's not famous yet, that doesn't mean they shouldn't be on shows. How the fuck are you supposed to get them famous? If you yeah. don't put them on TV, how are you going to get them over? If you're not putting them on your biggest shows, man, I'll tell you Eat what, heaven, heaven, Lord, little Brook on that WrestleMania three card nearly killed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Geek. Uh, <laughs> uh trios match uh kenny omega hangman adam page and kota abushi abushi sorry versus abushi. jay white juice robinson and kanosuke takeshita um <coughs> excuse you i normally yeah. would say the elite go over but i think i think because we're we're all assuming that we're going to get takeshita kenny at in chicago yeah so it would not surprise me to see the Bullet Club guys and Kakesh to get a win here. I mean, like the head says, go with the elite. It's the elite, but I think, I think I'm gonna go with my sleeper here and pick, yeah. pick, put the Bullet Club guys in Takeshita. If Mike were booking Takeshita pins Omega, that's how I would do it. Uh, yeah. Clean or not, doesn't matter. Takeshita pins Omega. That's what I would do. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'm, I can get on board yeah. with that. I would quite enjoy that actually. Yeah. Uh, Sting and Darby Allen versus Swerve Strickland, and now uh, Christian Cage, no longer AR Fox. There's rumors going around as to why AR Fox was pulled. I think he's in the doghouse right now. Um, because not only did he get pulled from the match, he got pulled from the entire angle, he got kicked out of mogul embassies. Uh, Swerve Swerve's a great promo, so he was able to pull it off, but the whole he thing did. was just yeah, the, but the entirety of it just was. sucked, right. Yeah, I don't know if it, it sucked. It, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't think it sucked. It was rushed, but I it thought was that rushed. I thought Swerve's performance carried it to something at least Swerve, interesting. Look, Swerve's a great performer. You can give that guy anything. He's probably gonna make. But I think that the the rushing of it and the content of it, and I think they did it because this guy's in the doghouse, or else they so. would have just done another injury angle. Mm -hmm. They could have done an injury angle to pull him from the match, like they did with uh, Phoenix, and we'll talk about a little later. But yeah, there's lots of rumors going around. Uh, like, well, I, I saw somebody say like maybe he didn't have his passport, and then somebody was saying maybe he had a funeral. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, yeah, he got pulled, and um, it looks like well, not looks like it's booked now. Christian Cage, um, Daddy himself, is in the match. Yeah, Christian Cage is going to be looking to hump Nick Wayne's mom. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of his gimmick now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
it would not surprise me if you did not see AR Fox and AEW television for quite some time. Yeah. So it seems like he did something wrong here and I don't know exactly what that is, but there's like, uh, because like he, he turned heel in a great way in tremendous yep. fashion and then just got turned back baby face and looked like a complete geek. Um, and, uh, and Nick Nick Wayne and Darby seem to be his buddy now, even though he just tried to he tried to well, murder Nick to Wayne. To be fair, to be fair, Darby. <laughs> well, let's let's hear let's hear this. Let's hear this. Darby yeah. was the one who forgave him. Nick Wayne just was kind of there. So there is nothing to say that Nick Wayne necessarily forgave AR Fox. Well, I mean, he didn't try to kick the guy's ass. Well, perhaps <laughs> like, perhaps Nick Wayne tried to, tried to murder me. <laughs> Hold on. Perhaps Christian Cage tells Nick Wayne these same facts and yeah. nick wayne is lured under the spell of one christian cage so perhaps we're laying the seeds for yeah. another story here or perhaps this is shitty booking i i tend to just i tend to want to see the better thing but that being said i would not be surprised if we don't see ar fox for a bit yeah uh but but hey, again kudos to swerve man i think he he uh he Good turned problem. uh yeah he turned a, a chicken salad out of chicken shit or whatever you call it however that phrase um, yeah yeah, um, we got Stadium Stampede, uh, Orange oh, oh. Cassidy, Sting and Darby winning that one, right? Someone's Christian Cage. Oh going yes, to the coffin again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christian Christian Cage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, go, going to the coffin, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, I forgot about the comments because I'm looking at my Google, uh, my Google Doc here, going through my notes. But uh, here, well, let's go through the comments real quick. Um, we got uh, Wind Up Thirteen Erd. I'm sorry, dude. I, I have no idea what that is, but it makes me sad that people like Raj represent the business. Yeah, that is uh, that is sad. Yep. And then, um, and then, Io, my man, Io, what's up, dude? Greetings, fellas. How's it going, man? Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. Um, Patreon subscriber too. Thank you, Io. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Stadium Stampede, Orange Cassidy, best friends, Eddie Kingston, and Penta versus John Moxley, Claudio, Wheeler, Yuta, and the returning. Uh, Hulk Santana and uh, Ortiz. <laughs> uh, Santana got the same prescription as Buddy Murphy, Andrade, and Brian Cage and Big Bill. I don't know if it's from the AEW doctor or not. I'm not going to throw any allegations out there, but uh, yeah, he, he's coming back looking jacked, brother. Um, and th- there was a rumor that 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 him and uh, Ortiz were still refusing to work together, but they look like they're fine now. Oh, they did. Did you see Ortiz walk right by Santana, and the two of them didn't even make eye contact on the show? They did. Hey, they went to work. They, they went to, to work. work. I mean, they went, yeah. which in this company really says something. The two guys yeah. showed up for work and stood together on camera. Clearly, yeah. they don't love each other at the moment, but they showed up for it. Yeah, Santana looked absolutely jacked out of his gourd. Uh, meanwhile, Ortiz wore a hat, strangely reminiscent of Ranger Smith from Yogi Bear. Yeah, he looked like he was going to a Taylor Swift concert. I I didn't reckon I didn't know what the hell he was up to, but I don't know what Ortiz yeah. <laughs> is thinking with the with the new outfit. But um, I'm excited for this match. To be quite honest, yeah. with you. I think this is gonna rule, dude. They always rule, like every yeah. stadium stampede, even the silly one. I I thought that was good. Like, the silly one, in... the silly one was perfect for the for the spring of 2020. Yes. Yeah. I think that's exactly what we needed at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I it absolutely worked. Um. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, who you got winning? Uh, BCC. Yeah, I, I don't think that you want Santana Ortiz. If you're going to try to get behind these guys and push them again, I, I don't think you want them um, losing. You know, let let one of the best friends lose. That's what they do. Yeah, Chuck Taylor's right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now we got the real world's championship. 
CM Punk versus Samoan Joe. <laughs> Yeah. You remember that from TNA? Somalia I do remember Joe. that. That's why I chuckled. <laughs> <clears throat> That's old school. That's Embrace for Impact stuff. I I think this match could be a lot of fun or it could be really bad. And I'm not sure which <laughs> way it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to be inclined to say that it's going to be pretty good. Um, but I'm also kind of, you know, a big fan of both of these guys. Me too. No matter what their no matter what Punk's behavior is behind the scenes, I just happen to find him fascinating and I like his matches. So we got a we got a YouTube comment on that last week. These guys are punk fans. I yeah. laughed. Yeah. I liked it. Guilty. Clicked, yes, 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 yeah. we are. Like we are, but we also like when he's being an asshole, we say it. He's an right? asshole. It's like, yeah, it's like we're being an asshole, but also at the same time, I think the young bucks are kind of being babies. Yeah. Right? Can, like, can we agree that everybody is being a little much in this whole scenario? I tweeted out the other day. I'm like, I can't believe because people were still litigating this thing online. Like hours after Terry Funk died. I'm like, my God, Terry Funk is dead. And you guys are still fighting. About, like not the, that them, but like fans. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are wasting yeah. your online time to talk about this crap. When a legend is dead, come on, man, what are we doing here? Yeah, go watch some goddamn Terry Funk promo. Stop worrying about the antics between the punk and punk and the elite. Um, but yeah, the latest update I, I saw was that punk has made several overtures to try to squash things, and uh, the the young bucks are just not interested. Um, so I I I am now. It's like, yeah, hey, punk was the biggest asshole in the beginning, but I think these guys holding on to this grudge. You know, not helpful for the company. They might want to just, you know, accept that olive branch, squash it. You ain't got to be friends. No one's saying be friends, like, but come to work, have a meeting. I was in a meeting today with somebody that I despise. Now they didn't want my ass. Okay. Full disclosure. But I was in a meeting today with somebody that I despise, right? Because guess what? It's my job. I get paid to do it. I have to work with people that I don't like all the time. And I was in a meeting, was cordial. Um, I actually complimented a thing that they said that wasn't even really worthy of all that much of complimenting, but I'm trying to be a professional is that's what professionals do, right? You, you make the workplace environment better for everybody. If clearly one guy's trying and the, and another guy's not, I, and that's mm -hmm. kind of the, where the situation's at right now, you know? I, I have, if CM Punk has like said, I'm sorry, if he's actually used those words, it is on the bucks to kind of accept they don't, they don't have to accept an apology. Yeah, I would right. like it. I would prefer it. If everybody just went to work, dude, I'm a teacher. I go to yeah. work with people I can't stand all the time. Have you met most teachers? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, no one's saying be friends, just go to work. Right. No big deal. Just go to work. And then punk, you know, get over the whole Danielson or Christopher Daniels stuff. Get over that too, dummy. Let, I really the, guy, let the guy go to work too. I really see. I don't think. I, I don't think Danielson cares. I think Danielson's very happy to take Saturdays off. Quite frankly. Oh, um, I mean Christopher Daniels. Christopher. Christopher Daniels. Daniels Sorry, yeah. not Danielson. Yeah. 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 But uh, I also I like to see him let go of the punk thing or the uh, punk thing, the Hangman Page thing a little bit. Let that. Go. Yes. Like yeah, leave that guy your, alone. Like he's not doing anything. You got your receipt. Like yeah. you want. Like you want, and you got your words out. Let's just. You know, and I kind of was like, oh, you know, he can hang on to this shit for as long as he wants. Then he went back to it again. I'm like, all right, bro. Now, now it's yeah. just, now you're you're beyond reproach here. Oh, yeah, Josiah said his, it's kind of difficult with his job. That's true. Josiah works with God. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got the where did I leave off? Oh, who's winning that punk or Joe? I mean, punk, right? Come on, punk. It's punk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
AEW World Trios Championship, the acclaimed and daddy ass with the ass man theme, uh, apparently, uh, Voices of Wrestling. I think talked about that, and I had another friend tell me that that was coming up too. But uh, I think, uh, I can't remember if it was Joe or Rich that, that, that talked about that in the Discord. But uh, yeah, um, so they got the daddy ass theme, acclaimed and daddy ass versus the House of Black. Um, man, do you see them just sitting the crowd home happy and doing like a big time scissor with 80,000 people on a title win here? Or is it too early to take the titles off the House of Black? Because despite Aleister Black's bullshit, like they're oh, okay. they're pretty cool. They are pretty cool. It is my yeah. favorite trios in wrestling at the moment. Is the House of Black because they're actually ring wise kind of awesome. We have heard some stories about Malachi behind the scenes. Per I'm no I'm not going to talk out of school because I can't verify things. So I wonder if it isn't time to take them off him to handle things right. Yeah. Would I rather see the House of Black keep those belts? Absolutely 100%. Absolutely 100%. Do I think they're going to? I'm not sure. Is it a hot take for me to say I think the Ass Man song is stupid? Uh, I think it is stupid, um, but I think that's the point of the song. <laughs> Fair. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was It was always like, like I don't think anybody is like, you know, going in there thinking they're fucking John Lennon because they're an Ass Man. You like to kick them? We like to lick them. I'm an ass man. Like I don't, Mike, I don't think that was the case. Is that a Jim Johnson special? Uh, it has to be. That was the time period, be, right? right? Yeah, it yeah. has to be. Yeah. Um, be. I got nothing. And, uh, I got, yeah. I got nothing on this one. I guess <laughs> okay. I, I, if, if I'm putting money on somebody, I bet the acclaimed come out with those tag with those because they're still pretty over. Yeah. Shockingly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah they uh, AEW World Women's Championship: Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker versus Soraya versus Tony Storm. Um, I don't, man, I don't, I can't call this one. I, you know, conventional wisdom would say Soraya because it's in the UK and she's one of the few people from the UK actually on the card. Um, but I, I, I just don't know if they take the title off Hikaru Shida so soon. But who knows? Soraya is pretty brutal in the ring these days. Um, yeah. I don't care. I'll be totally honest with you, man. I just, <laughs> I just don't care about this match at all. I hope she keeps it because she's the best one in the match. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have no, I have no opinion on this match one way or the other. I, uh, I, I think, I think Soraya <laughs> gets it. Ao says the internet would, the IWC would break if Soraya wins. I'd like to see it. I, okay, yeah, I, I think I'm with Io. Yeah, as a fan of chaos, that would yeah. be sensational. Uh, oh my god, absolutely discords across the country would melt that would mm -hmm. be a lot of that would be a lot of hmm. let's go soraya let's 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 start a hashtag give soraya a chance give soraya a chance <laughs> boy they're gonna hate us on this network soon like, yeah yeah entertained by that oh, we just lost yeah. a follower we just lost a viewer with that one yeah oh yeah, they're give back, soraya they're back. A chance. oh good um next match will <laughs> osprey versus chris jericho um i'm gonna predict that this is going to be a, an incredible match because uh look chris jericho's in his 50s but he can still go when he needs to and then of course he's working with the best wrestler in the world right now and will osprey there's gonna be tons of heat in this match will osprey is a uk favorite um uh, don Callis is probably the best heel in the business right now uh i i i just find this a match to be incredibly appealing i'm really looking forward to it i think osprey takes it what say you um I I'm intrigued by this match immensely. I think this will be the last great match of Chris Jericho's career. I think Will Ospreay is good enough to carry 
just about anybody. And Chris Jericho is still pretty good at doing what Chris Jericho does. I yeah. I think Will Ospreay is going to have 80,000 people chanting for him. And I think it's going to be great. Dude, the contract signing was excellent TV. And I've never yeah. said that about a con. Most contract signings are God awful. I thought it was great. It was so funny to see like, I, when my timeline, people unanimously praise it with the exception of people from the UK. Like there's people from the UK who are just like, Oh, Osprey, I just can't, I just can't. It's, it's not really it's, so it's media media from the UK. They I, I just don't think mm-hmm. that they have a good relationship with him. Fair. They don't. And Fair. there's probably multiple point. there's probably multiple reasons of, yeah. of, for that. And I don't really have a good explanation, but it's just something about the UK media. They just don't like that guy. Um and, and he doesn't like them. He's not very nice to them either. No, I I think you're right, but it's it was funny to me to see so many people praise that segment, and then the UK media guys are just like, Yeah, no, it was bad. And I was like, yeah. what? Really? Really? That? Oh, wow. I was surprised. Like I said, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I think Will Ospreay, I don't know if it's going to be a Davy Boy Smith moment, but I think the Davy Boy Smith moment, I've said it before on the show, was very overrated because it meant nothing in the long run. Yeah. He was gone two months later. <laughs> two months later. Yeah. And I think, you know, and Will Ospreay sure did say, hey, my contract's coming up and I'm going to get paid a lot of money. Dude, he's going to AEW. I like, I, I think that deal's already done. Um, I, I think he's just going to finish out his new Japan dates and then by come January, he'll be in AEW. Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah. Um, he, he kind of made that pretty clear. Um, yeah. so the AEW world tag team championship, we got FTR versus the young bucks FTR with both Dax Harwood and cash money. Wheeler, uh, don't fuck with him on the road, man. This guy had a <laughs> hell of a weekend and it looks like people have already forgotten it because there was people going ham. Dude, they were out for blood on this guy. You can't let him on the card. He's a danger to society. He's not. He shouldn't even be allowed in the UK. We don't want that guy here. He comes out on Wednesday night on Dynamite. Nobody gave a shit. Twitter <laughs> it's like, isn't Oh, yeah, real. it's like it never happened, right? The news cycle moves fast. Twitter isn't real. We got to remember that. And, like, here's my big thing with that is can the man stand in court of trial? Can the man stand in a court of law? Can we have yeah. this man tried before we convict him? Like people are like, well, you have to suspend him. Like, do you? What if here's yeah. a crazy thought? What if the guy didn't do it? Like, I'm not saying he's innocent. Weird. Because but it's yeah. a he said versus he said thing, which is why you have a trial, right? Yeah. So maybe, maybe we and if the guy, if the guy did it, if he this is if this is the story and he brandished a gun on a road and did all this stuff, fire him, do what you have to do. I'm perfectly fine with that. But can the man get his day in court? He said, like, I gotta. I told you this story. I had a friend in college who was accused of a very heinous crime and he got suspended as we were showing up to our, our conference qualifier tournament, which is to get to the NCAA tournament. And the, the AD said, Nope, he's done. And the man, this, my friend spent three years of his life and uh, tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees to get a not guilty conviction that took 30 minutes of deliberation. Wow. Like, I can't do it, man. I can't sit there and just immediately figure everybody who gets accused of anything is is guilty because I saw this guy's life basically get ruined when he was innocent. So I'm just like, I can't, I personally cannot get, would say everyone must be punished on accusations. I just, I just can't do it. I just, I would rather see the guy go to court and if he's convicted, sure, fire him, be done with him. But if yeah. he didn't do it and you punished him, what was that for? Right. Well, and that, and that's, and that's my thing too. Like, I think people are forgetting that he pled not guilty. <laughs> like, I think, I think that's, yeah. a, that's an important aspect of the story. He's saying he didn't do it. 
Right. Right. So we can't we can't just assume that he did it. He, he I don't have any plead. evidence that says he did do it. There's an accusation. Right. He didn't plead no contest. That would mean, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Can we please get the, the least harsh fine possible? You know, he's saying, I didn't do this. So yeah. there's a story. We've only heard one side. We've only heard part of a side of the story, too. So let's just let's let the legal system carry it out. And if the guy is a scumbag, he wouldn't be the first scumbag. I, I was talking about, hey, what about Jimmy Uso? Like, yeah, that guy's got multiple DUI arrests. And WWE yeah. never did a damn thing with him. Oh, hey, yeah. Scott's got a comment. Pull that up real quick, Mike. Oh, Scott, you know what? I was going to try to have him on, but then the Terry Funk and the Bray Wyatt stuff happened. Um, Scott E. Wrestling, our buddy, uh, said, I missed the opening of the show, but shout out to you both. MJF segment was my favorite from the show. Talk about Dynamite. But it's interesting doing the Osprey contract thing. Fun stuff moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. We mentioned Um, you earlier in the show, Scott. I mentioned that we were talking about Terry Funk matches. So, yeah, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, I hope I hope um, he gets a chance to watch a lot of some Terry Funk stuff, and then on his next podcast, he talks about what he watched. A great podcaster, by the way. Absolutely. But yeah. Great so, podcaster. you know, with with the cash stuff, man, it's like, you know, if he if he did it, and like it comes out, he's guilty, right? Let's just say he's guilty, um, and then that, at that point, that's when you have to you have to make a decision, and then whatever the decision is, the decision. I'm not going to weigh mm-hmm. in one way or the other, but you know, we're talking about mental health, right? And we're talking about all this other stuff that's super important. I don't think a guy that's of his right mind does something like that. So you guys um, that care so much about mental health that really are, are about that life, maybe instead of tearing a guy down, maybe we try to figure out exactly why he may have done something like that. Not, you know, let the legal system play out, let the conviction happen. But there might be a bigger reason as to why maybe somebody has that kind of anger inside of them that would do something like that. If he is guilty, which if it guilty. could very well come out that he could be guilty. Absolutely. I'm not denying one way or the other, but if Tony Khan has him on the show, right. And then it comes to find out he's guilty. Guess, guess what happens? Then you make the decision, but there wasn't really like a negative thing for having him on the show. It doesn't take away from, from the show itself. Right. There's no, there's not going to be like this crazy amount of blowback. And that's what people are thinking. I was like, well, if he has them on the show, then there's going to be blowback on the company. It's like, no, not really. Like there, there won't be. If he makes a swift decision, once the, 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 the verdict comes in, then that's when you know where he stands. But right now he's standing with the guy that he knows. Like he knows this person. They are friends. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's worked with them for years. You stand by him until you can't. Right. And that, and that's an important thing too. Not in every case, not in every situation. The BJ Whitmer thing happened earlier this year. That was absolutely horrible, horrendous. And they knew the moment that it happened, they knew exactly what was going on there. They mm-hmm. shook in the guy immediately. This one's not so clear, right? You got to let the system play out. Yep. And same with like a, uh, with Jimmy Havoc when that whole thing happened. He didn't deny it. He didn't fight it. They yeah. fired him. Everybody moved on. Like I said, yeah. just give, let's give this guy a day in court and see what happens. Um, who do you think wins? I honestly don't know. I have no idea. I, I'm going with the Young Bucks. Um, yeah, and like par- partially, uh, for one reason is because they just resigned and and another reason is is this the biggest show in history i think you want to do a couple of title changes here um and then also because they don't know what's going to happen with this cash wheeler thing i think you want to get the titles off of them because you know while while you may not need to suspend him you probably don't want him having the titles when the verdict comes in right yeah. so maybe you cool him off a little bit while you wait to see what happens but um yeah i'm gonna go with the young bucks on this one yeah, i'll go with you on that it makes sense uh, AEW World Championship, um, soon to be ROH Tag Team Champions, Adam Cole versus MJF in a storyline that is about to climax, a storyline that I hated its first couple of weeks, and all of a sudden the bastards got me. Um, I, I love this thing. I Dude, 
I, I just don't see them taking the title off MJF, but I think it's possible. I do too. Um, I'm interested in this because this is a very unconventional storyline build. And some people hate it because it does lean way, way into the sports entertainment world. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you can't argue that it's not the most interesting thing going on in the company, right? As far as the story goes, and it has captured people's interests and imagination. So they've got something here. I'm very curious to see where we go from here. Like what role does Roderick Strong in the kingdom going to play? Is Cole, I mean, they seem to telegraph pretty hard that Cole's going to turn on MJF, but did they do that on purpose? Like, did yeah. they make, did they push so like it's sleight of hand thing. Did they push so hard to make you look at this hand that you don't see the other hand coming up? I mean, I don't know. Something's interesting. Something interesting is going to happen and I'm not sure what it is. And I'm not sure how it leads into next week. Cause we need a hook to get us to go to that other show or to buy that other show. I'm going to the show. I bought yeah. tickets anyway, yeah. but I mean, you need a reason to buy this next show and it has to come out of the fallout of this match. And I don't know what that is. And that's going to be a real big test for Tony Khan. Cause they tried that in WWE in 1991 with Hogan and the undertaker and Ric Flair. And it did not work. Yeah. Um, this so far, this pay-per-view is tracking to be one of the biggest that they've ever done. I think they had 90,000, 90,000 pre-sales and who the yeah. hell pre-buys a pay-per-view. I've never even thought about pre-buying a pay-per-view. I typically wait until it's on. <laughs> Me too. It's like, or it's like, like, you know, like 30 minutes out, you know, then, then I'll hit the, then I'll hit the button. But yeah. A lot of people were just like, you know, maybe because they just need that fight TV reminder. Oh, I guess if you're international, I don't know if uh, Bleach Report does that. But when I used to have fight TV stuff, I would get a reminder on my phone. Hey, your pay-per-view is about to start. So, um, but yeah, dude, I'm going to stick with MJF. Who you got? For the sake of conversation, I'll say Adam Cole. Okay. Okay. And then, um, the yeah, the curious thing. So maybe they flip it to Adam Cole, and then that sets up next week at All Out in Chicago. Maybe maybe that's what they do. I dude, I don't know, and that's a good thing that I don't know. I don't know what's coming, um, because you rarely get that in pro wrestling. We can typically see where things are going, but right now I just, I just don't know what to expect, man. Um, not not sure what to expect oh. at all. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't know where this is going. I really don't. And I'm, that kind of excites me because sometimes it's yeah. pretty easy to see like, oh, I, I smell a title change or I feel like this is coming here. I don't know where this goes because they really seem to lean it hard into Max being the top baby face in the company now, which yeah. is what it seems like the crowd likes. I could tell where things are going by based on how my kid acts. And my kid hates MJF. And has hated him for years. And we're watching Dynamite last night. And he looks at me and goes, you know, Dad, I think I kind of like Max now. And I was like, really? Even though he cheated and beat Darby Allen, He's like, yeah, I think he's changed. And again, he's seven. <laughs> so he's he's easy work. He's an easy mark to yeah. work. But like, hold on, kid. Let me teach you how to hold on to resentments, buddy. Like you're, He'll learn you're, that. Uh, oh, he already yeah. figured out how to learn to hang out of resentments. Let me tell you. <laughs> Just not with professional wrestlers yet. Right. So uh, he's feeling, he's feeling at this MJF thing. So I'm very curious to see kind of what, where we go. Excuse me. I just bumped my microphone out of place. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to say Adam Cole just because we have conversation, but I don't know. Uh, cool. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see where it leads. And then uh, if he does win, then we will be right back here next week, previewing all out. So uh, guys, I want you to head to patreon.com slash the 
Mike and JD show. JD has his article up discussing uh, Terry Funk's run in WCW in 1989. Um, we are going to head over there for overtime with Mike and JD, where we're actually going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to discuss our memories and our thoughts of uh, Terry Funk's run in 1989. We're going to focus on that year specifically. Um, you can also go up. I, I, I had uh, two Brace for Impacts over the weekend. I will have another Brace for Impact out this coming up weekend, previewing the emergence show, which so just so happens to be on the same night as all in um, all ins earlier in the day. Cause they're in London, but uh, Sunday night impact has their, uh, their emergence show, which is on impact plus. So I'm going to preview that this weekend. I'm going to recap the show that aired tonight. And then after emergence is over, I'm going to like maybe Monday or Tuesday, whenever I get a chance, I'm going to crank out some more audio exclusive for the Patreon recapping uh, emergence. So um, lots of cool stuff coming out on, on the Patreon head to patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show. Um, uh, and until next week, mahalo. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives. It's part of our wrestling fandom as well. And it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.